Good morning, everyone. I wanted to start with a story that I heard on an IJS meditation with a wonderful meditation teacher named Yael Shai. And she read a story by Tara Brock in her book called Radical Compassion. So this is the story. In a distant land, word spread far and wide of a holy man with magic so powerful he could relieve the most severe suffering. But to reach his wilderness refuge and receive his healing, a seeker had to trek over dense forests and over precarious mountain passes. Those who persevered arrived at the holy man's simple hut, exhausted and dirty. After guiding them to a refreshing stream and offering tea, he would sit with them in silence. When he finally spoke, it was to swear them to secrecy about what was next to pass between them. Once they took the vow, the holy man asked a single question. What are you unwilling to feel? So that's the story. And I had a lot of questions after I heard that story. Like, why did the holy man have to make it so physically grueling to get to him? Or why did the holy man swear his visitors to a vow of secrecy for the question that would come? And maybe most of all, how is it that the question that would relieve the most suffering was, what are you unwilling to feel? What are you unwilling to feel? So I just wanna give us a few moments to sit with these questions. Just close your eyes, make yourself comfortable. And perhaps one of those questions or a different question altogether from that story is arising for you. And sometimes when I come in and talk too quickly, doesn't give you space to kind of contemplate. So let's just take a moment. Just get in touch with your breath. Maybe reflect on that story and think about what arises for you. If you have some thoughts, you can always feel free to share them. Now, I don't have a single answer to any of those questions. Like so many 
good mystical stories, it raises actually more questions than answers. And I think a good story like this gives an opportunity for each person to derive the meaning that they need in the moment. And that oftentimes that very same story can give you something very different if you hear it at another point in your life. But instead of giving you an answer to any of those questions, I wanted to share another story. This one is a true story of an encounter I had with my own holy man who I visited in a rehab center. He was 89 years old and a month before he had taken a very bad fall. He was lucky that he only broke his hip. He didn't break anything else or hit his head on the way down. Doctors told him it was gonna take a lot of work, but he would probably be able to walk again, though it might be with a walker. But it was clear when I spoke with him that actually the fall had not just broken his hip, but his spirit. He said to me, I'm 89 and so many of my friends have died. I had to bury my first wife after a long bout with cancer when she was only 55. We were married for 30 years. And four years ago, I had to bury my daughter. No one should ever have to do that. And now I've learned that my daughter-in-law, whom I adore, she's like a daughter to me, she now has cancer. I don't think I can bear to watch her go. He said, I wish I could control this. I wish God could give me two buttons. One to live, the other to die. He said, I just want to be able to push that button and go. But here I am, he said, I didn't die. And there is no button. But I just don't know if I have it in me to keep doing this. I really felt his pain and despair. I understood that he had already carried so much loss and each one resonated with every new one. In his unwillingness and his fear of more loss and more grief, he was truly suffering. And I felt he clarified a quote that we refer to a lot in our Jewish tradition, a famous line from Deuteronomy that had never really resonated for me before. God says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. Now, I had always thought that that was so obvious. Why did it even bear stating? But I've come to see that it's not always so obvious. Like this man before me, 
there were two buttons. I've set before you life and death. He did not necessarily want to choose life in that moment. Yet, as he said, here I am. So he hadn't pushed that button yet. I asked him, what are you afraid of? He said, I know what it's like to watch your wife die a slow death from cancer. He said, I don't want to watch my son have to go through that. I don't want to be the last one standing. I said, you're not going to be the last one standing. What about your son? Is it possible that those things you are unwilling to feel to protect yourself from your own grief will also keep you from the love and connection that your son so desperately needs and that you need. As that line says, choose life so that you and your children may live. What are we all unwilling to feel? when we are not willing to face some of the most difficult feelings, there is a sense that we are in exchange, literally giving up on life, giving up on love. Sometimes it's a metaphor, but in the case of this man, it was really literal. Perhaps it's true that being unwilling to feel something is the key to really relieving our greatest suffering. I can't wrap up this visit with my holy man in a neat bow. He is still in pain, physical and emotional. He admitted, I'm kind of a glass half empty kind of guy. But I asked him to contemplate a little bit more that other button to choose life. We prayed together. I asked him what filled his glass. And he admitted that just this week he was able to get out of bed and he realized that he probably was going to get better, even if it was going to be one painful therapeutic step at a time. He shared with me how much he appreciated his wife the one he was lucky enough to have been with for a second chapter. He talked about his love for his children and grandchildren. I understood that God had wisdom in making it a mitzvah, a commandment to choose life because it's not a given. It's actually a choice we have to make every day. Some days it's just harder than others. So I invite you to close your eyes, to orient your hearts, to feel. In this quiet moment, examine what it is that we have been pushing away and unwilling to feel in our everyday lives, in the rush of our busyness. That is what 
this meditative time is for. You don't have to force it. You just have to make a little space. So I invite you to close your eyes, to open your heart. If you'd like a mantra to help your mind have just enough distraction to let it go, I would suggest the word ragshut, which is the Hebrew word for feelings. Let those ragshut, those feelings, surface. Take a couple of deep breaths. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Continue in our own quiet moment. I don't mind the time.
I invite you to just slowly come back into your room and space. Of course, you can always just sit longer if you'd like. But I offer you this blessing as we head out. May you be blessed as you go on your way. May you be guided in peace. May you be blessed with health and joy. May this be your blessing. Amen. I wish you all a blessed day. See you next week.